Good morning, new community. Oh, y'all got to give me a little bit more than that. I haven't been here in two weeks, two Sundays. So I need all the energy and excitement. Plus, I, I caught a red eye this morning. And so I've been up since uh, 11.30 yesterday so I could get here this morning. So y'all got to give me, yeah. <laughs> a time zone and a red eye, and I'm here. So I need y'all to be present with me. Is that all right? At minimum, give me some amens. Even if the sentences are not woven together well, y'all act like I didn't say it the best thing in the world, okay? And I would appreciate it on this morning. Well, it is good to be with you all again. Uh, like I said, I missed you all the past couple of weeks. Uh, and so, but I heard that it was just amazing between Michelle Sanchez and sharing, and then uh, Pastor Mike was here last week. I heard the men had a great retreat. Um, I'm still waiting to hear all the deets. Do we ever get that, or is it what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? sort of energy. Okay. Okay. You know, I was, I was just wondering. Anybody else curious? Did y'all husbands come back different? No. Yes? yes. One yes. Oh, they putting laundry away. Y'all got to tell us what happened. My God. Um, well, we're starting a new series as we are entering into uh, this Thanksgiving season. And so I want to Focus on gratitude. There are so many things to be focused on, to be distracted by, to be deterred by. Um, but I believe if we can practice gratitude, I, I think that can reshape our perspective on so many things. So I want you to go with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to be in chapter 17, uh, verses 11 through 19 and just pretend like the verses are on the screen, all right? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the prayer and worship that has covered all this, this service already. We just ask, God, that by the power of your spirit, as this word uh, goes forth, God, would you change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship by your spirit. In Jesus' name, we humbly ask and pray. Amen. 
So for many of you, this is a very familiar story of these 10 lepers. And I always like to give a little context and do a little storytelling because by nature, I am a storytelling kind of preacher too. But here we enter into this text in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus is about to enter a village, and then right outside, though, of this village, um, there are these ten men, ten lepers, and they're crying out to Jesus. They're yelling at him to be cleansed. Now, in order to understand that sort of desperation, you need to have a little understanding for what leprosy was and was all about. And while I don't have all the details and um, ins and outs of it, here's what I can tell you. Leprosy was a disease um, that was hideous. That in the Bible, that if you had uh, leprosy, you were shunned. You were not part of the community. If you were a leper, the main thing you were considered was not a person, not a man, not a woman. You were not referred to by your name um, or any preferred pronouns. You were referred to as unclean. Can you imagine what it was like to just be considered unclean? No one spoke to you. No one wanted to look in your direction, almost in fear that they themselves would somehow get what you have. As a matter of fact, to make it even worse, you even had to identify. Some texts say, um, some uh, scholars say that lepers had to walk around the town and they had to yell as a fact, as a matter of warning to everybody, unclean, unclean. So not only am I already isolated, not only am I already labeled, I now have to acknowledge it in front of the people and the environment and the group that is labeled me. I have to cry unclean. My body has to be covered up, uh, making almost the appearance of a mummy walking around, like a dead person walking around. They lived in leper colonies where everyone there was in pain. Everyone was numb. Everyone was restless, frustrated, and worst of all, hopeless. And in the midst of all they had going on, they heard about a man named Jesus. Despite what they were feeling, despite everything that they had going on, they did, similar to what we see in the story, uh, if you've ever read that one, which I'm sure you probably have if you've been a Christian long enough, the story of the woman with the issue of blood, they, they move and they press their way to the skirts of town right outside of the gates where they cannot enter, and they cry out to Jesus, heal us, specifically they say cleanse us cleanse us. These men saw Jesus and as they stood in their places of rejection and isolation, they cried out, have mercy. Ah, that's powerful. When you don't have anything else to say, when you don't have anything else to pray, let me tell you two words, have mercy. Have mercy. 
Have mercy. When you have been stuck, <laughs> when you are speechless, when you are hopeless, have mercy. I can only imagine where they had gotten to in their lives and in their journey to stand on the side of a road and cry out to the say, have mercy. I don't even have words anymore. I don't have prayers. I don't have requests. I simply just have, have mercy. And Jesus is so good. He's so good. He simply tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. Very interesting. Jesus doesn't come over and heal them. He doesn't lay hands on them. He doesn't do any of that. He, he actually puts them into action. Now, that could be a sermon in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. He puts them into action. He says, listen, go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. They were healed as they went. See, that, that's, that's a whole nother word, that as they went, they were healed. Sometimes we just got to keep going and know that the healing is coming. Keep pressing and know that the healing is coming. Just keep going. The healing is coming because as they went, they were healed. That's not even what I'm talking about, but that was for free today. But here is the thing. They went and they were healed, and here is probably the most dramatic part of this story, and for some, the most perplexing part, that out of the 10 that were healed, only one came back. And the one that came back was a Samaritan. Not the, one most, not the ones who we can assume, or is, as it's implied, the most familiar with the rabbi, most familiar with God, most familiar with the things, not them, but the Samaritan is the only one who comes back to say thank you. Isn't that amazing? And I think this, I, I, I don't think, I think it's dangerous when we read a text and we just go and we look at the folks in the story and we start to judge them. We start to say, how could they? You know what we can always do? Insert ourselves into it. That if it were me, ask ourselves, where am I in this story? How does my life parallel to the story about the 10 lepers? How do I measure up Today, as I sit here and I think about this story, how am I measuring up? Which one am I? How can you say, you can say, Pastor Nicole, how can I ask that question? Why would you tell me to say that? Here's why. Because we've all been where these 10 men have been. We've all been isolated. We have all been in pain. We have all been numb. We have all been restless. We have all been frustrated. We have all been labeled. We have all felt rejected. At minimum, we can put ourselves 
into the text to see what we can glean from it because we've been where these leopards have been. We have stood where they have stood. We have felt what they have felt. God, help us to see what we need to see, not about the leopards, but about ourselves. When we find ourselves in places of isolation where we feel rejected, do we stay in that lonely, dark place, or do we go out and cry, have mercy? Save us, God. You know, sometimes we, we think prayer has to be complicated, as if somehow God is more impressed with uh, bigger words, with more time, and longer prayers, that he is somehow impressed with the level of scripture that we quote during prayer. He is impressed by how well we are able to do it. He is impressed. No, 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 no. I, I just believe that sometimes prayer just ought to be a cry of the heart. That's it. That's all. It doesn't have to be more than that. You don't have to go and say, let me say all of these. Sometimes you just have to say, have mercy, God. Save me. <laughs> Save me. Save me from myself. <laughs> Save me from whatever thing that I am in that I feel entrenched in. Save me from the rejection. Save me from the hopelessness. Save me from all the labels and the weight and the stress. Save me. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be outdrawn. It just needs to be a cry from your heart in which you reach the ears of heaven. You are desperate and you are saying, Jesus, have mercy, please, on me. If you hear nothing else from the sermon today, hear that you can pray that simple prayer. We can cry out to God, save us, have mercy on us. And here's the thing, here's, here's the part of this story that is fascinating, that is great, that we all want in our lives to, their prayer is answered. How do you feel when one of your prayers get answered? I mean, seriously. I, this weekend, I had prayed something and um, he answered it and I was shocked. I was shooketh, because I said that was a quick turnaround. That was like Zoom. It was like he, he FedEx the answer back. And I said, okay, that was like Amazon Prime level, same day delivery. You see what I'm saying? It's going to arrive between 10 and 2 p.m. That, that's what that was. So I was shook, Ms. Ray. I was shooketh, okay, because it came back quick. And I thought to myself, is this real? And it was. But here's the thing. How do we respond when God answers those prayers that we've prayed? How do we show up after the prayer has been answered? You know, we pray for those beautiful children, and then they stay up all night. How do you show up once the prayer has been answered. You prayed for that spouse. Yeah. But then he didn't come back from the men's retreat putting his laundry away. <laughs> Do the wives get an evaluation? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, CC. That, that, nobody told me that story, by the way. I just, I made that up. Pure conjecture. The point is, 
How do we show up once our prayers have been answered? How do we show up when we are like these leopards, when we have been cleansed, if you will, when we have had the prayers answered, when the cry of our hearts have been met, have been answered, who do we turn out to be? Who do we turn out to be <laughs> once the prayers have been answered? Are we like the nine who don't turn around? For whatever reason, maybe they were in a hurry. I don't know. Are we like the one who returns? And before you answer and say, of course I'm the one that returns. I am pious. I am holy. <laughs> I'm anointed. I am oily. Okay? That means you're just really spiritual, right? We read this story and we see that they have to go to the priest, but what you don't read is that it's a process to the healing. That if you go and do a little study, you see that they had to go and present themselves to the priest. It was an elaborate process. They had to uh, stand in a certain place. They had to go through a purification ceremony, and then they had to return, and then they had to be prayed for again. They had to be checked out again. The priest had to kind of give this A-OK -okay and this green light. They have to make sacrifices. All kinds of things needed to happen. It was a process that could have taken anywhere from one to two weeks. It took a while, and it's, it's interesting how we can be committed to the process until the prayer gets answered. But the point of the process is not so we can be committed momentarily. The point of the process is for us to be committed to God and not the answer, right? Because that's what happens when we pray for things we become committed to the answer of the prayer instead of the answerer of the prayer. So then, check this out, you get what you pray for and you begin to resent what God answered. Yeah? Because now I now resent the answer because I pursued it in order to get to the answer, but really the pursuit was about God. It was about God. And I get the nine leopards because I've been there before, right? <laughs> I did the steps. I did the process. And I don't think they don't return because of some malicious reason. They got somewhere to go. They got something to be. I don't know. I, I think, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They were eager just to get back to normal. Do you know what I mean? Just normal. I want to go home. I want to see people. I want to be able to go to Whole Foods and not be judged and called unclean. You see what I'm saying? Whatever their Whole Foods was. They, they wanted to, to get back to normal, right? And it's sometimes it's like that when we get the answers to our prayers. We want to get back on track. And then all of a sudden, we do this too. We start thinking we got a formula. We do. We do. You know, like I, this weekend, my Amazon Prime show up answer between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. answer to my prayer. It's like, what did I say? Where was I standing? 
Was I standing or was I sitting? Like, what, what was I doing? Because there has to be, a, we are tempted to think it's about us instead of God. <laughs> we start to think that somehow we influence the outcome of this prayer. And what happens when we do this, we forget who answered the prayer when we start to think we're the ones that answered it. We forget about God. And the further away, here's, and here's what's tricky. The further away we get, the further we get away from that answer, the further away we get from that miracle, we forget just how miraculous it was. You know, my daughter, and I think I have permission to tell this story, because it's about when she was a baby. If not, Alea will talk about it when I get home. But when she was a baby, she was very sick. She was in the hospital. She had RSV. She had um, norovirus. It was very serious. And I remember praying. We all were praying. Heal her God. Save her God. And he did. And those first couple of moments and even months, we were just in awe of this kid walking around. Like it was crazy. All the things the doctor said she wouldn't be able to do after, being, after coming out of a coma and all these things, we were just amazed. But then the further away you get from the miracle, you almost forget just how miraculous it was. We, we get to the answer of the prayer and we forget how much pain we were in. We forget how isolated we were. We forget to cry out to God, not just for the things that we want or for the moments that we're in, but because he is God and he is good. See, the thing about remembering the miracle is not about checking back in with the pain. It is checking back in with the good, good, good God who answered the prayer. See, our bodies do this crazy thing sometimes, and this is why I'm not getting on the lepers, the, the nine that didn't return too much. Sometimes when we go back, and we think of a painful memory, our bodies literally have memorized that moment, right? So whenever you think about a thing that could have happened to you when you were two, your body reacts as if you were two again. Your mind goes to that place, and even though you know logically you are not there, you go, oh, I clam up, I don't want to think about it. I have to do this so I can forge forward, right? Sometimes it's like that when we get an answer to prayer. We don't want to remember the pain because the pain pulls us into places again where we feel like they're poisonous, they're painful, I don't want to be there. But really, uh, if we look at the God, right, who takes everything that the enemy meant for bad and turns it to good, what happens when we step into that moment and we see Jesus was there all along? When we step into the moment and see that he really is there, that I didn't make it just because I prayed that good prayer. I'm not here just because I did 
great parenting and took my daughter to all the best doctors and the doctor's appointment, but it was a good God that I served who saw me in the place of darkness and hurt and fear, and he answered. Mind, remember that. Body, remember that, right? Because sometimes we're eager to get back to normal. We're eager to just push forward. We're eager to start doing the things that we think are the right things to do now that we've received the answer. And the problem with that is that we begin to replace the answerer of that prayer, the one who delivered it. We begin to think we're the ones that did it that we did it, yikes. You know, there's a verse in Romans, and it's chapter one, verse 21, it says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of all these foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise, and instead they became utter fools. Sometimes we can be foolish once that prayer gets answered because we begin to think that somehow we had something to do with it. That somehow Jesus said, go walk and be cleansed. It was my walking that cleansed me. It was the prayer the priest had me pray. It was the sacrifice that I picked up. No, 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 no. It was the Savior and not the steps. Come on here. It was the Savior and not the steps. Believe it or not, we can see God and seek God even when we've gotten the answer. Let us not forget what he has done. Let us not forget what he has promised. Let's we be like the nine that don't return until we need him to show up again. Whew. You know, it's not so hard when you think through these things. It's not so hard to imagine those nine not coming back. I mean, if we're honest, more often than not, I know I have, I've been like the nine. I start complaining about the blessing. Jesus, help me. Can I be honest this morning? I forget to reach back for gratitude. Instead, I have an attitude, right? And I remember this story actually about the 10 lepers. It humbles me. And it shows me, here's what it's like to be the one to come back. And you want to be the one that comes back. You want to be the one that remembers. You want to be that one. When Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests, and as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, hear this, it's so great. It says, and when the one saw that he 
was healed. He didn't relish in the answer and that it had been done. He didn't, he didn't stay there. He saw he was healed. And he ran back to Jesus. The prayer was answered and he fell at the feet of Jesus. The prayer was answered and he started praising God. See, it was about, he recognized, woo, the Savior in that moment. He said, look at me. I'm all right. Praise God. And he fell to the ground thanking him for what he has done. What does this one teach us? What does this one show us when a couple of things, but one, when God answers a prayer, praise him in the moment. Like praise him in the moment. I told y'all, you know, I was shook. I was like, what, what happened? What's going on? Shook it. And I, I, was, I was confused for a second, but really my response should have been praise. Cause I'm like, wow, look at God. Look at God. And I know we've all done it before, right? Where we forget to praise God in the moment. But this one shows us, come back and praise now. Come back and praise now. I know you are busy, but come back and praise now. And then whenever you begin to look at the answer to your prayer and get discouraged or hopeless or frustrated or there's challenges with it, praise now. Praise him anyway, because I want my body to remember the moment that I fell at his feet when the prayer got answered. Praise now. Praise anyway, because if you get consumed in the answer that God gave you, you'll drop the praise and God will say, well, what was it in the first place? What did I do it for if you weren't going to fall at my feet and see just how glorious I am? And this, and this is just a glimpse of what I can do. A glimpse. So here's the next thing. Our praise needs to match our plea. It does. Our praise needs to match our plea. It does. It does. These men were crying out. And I'm sure they were loud. They are desperate. You, you heard what uh, leprosy involved. I want you to think of your most desperate prayer. Just for just a quick second, see if you could pull it up in your, your most desperate prayer. You might even be praying it now, right? Here's the question. Will your praise match the plea? Will the praise match the plea? The Bible says the one came back and he came back shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground. Huh. He fell to the ground. He doesn't care who is looking at him. Sometimes we are, 
we have to just shake off the embarrassment or the shame or the awkwardness. You know what my husband always say, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. It's only weird if you make it weird. If you want to stand up and wave your hand, wave it. Why? Because it's only weird if you make it weird. I used to dance when I was coming up, okay? I was part of a dance group. I did. I minored in dance in college. Now my knees not going to do that anymore, okay? My knees are good and grown. You hear me? They good and grown. But whenever I was in a show, a routine, excuse me, that we all had practiced. And it is showtime, and we are dancing, giving it our all, and then I mess up. You know what I did? I messed up big, so it would seem like everybody else forgot the moves. Now, that was, that was what was happening in my mind. Now, where people watch it going, now she knows she messed up. I didn't care though, because I said, for me, if I'm gonna trip up, I'm gonna trip up in a way where it looks like they forgot the routine, but I remembered it. Listen, I, I say that to say this. You can't be ashamed when God shows up for you. How are you gonna be ashamed? How are you gonna be afraid? And then this is, so, this is what was so great. Jesus said, this is a Samaritan, a foreigner, someone who is not even intimately acquainted with the things. He came back and said, thank you. Church, what is it that we claim to be intimately acquainted with God, but yet we're ashamed to open our mouths to worship, to praise? I don't care what your background is. He's still God. You can take on your contemplative posture, praise him. Do it, though. You don't want to stick your hand in the air, bring it to T-Rex status, but give him something. Give him something. Give him something. We've gathered in the house of God. Give him something. I didn't catch a red eye this morning and not give him glory. I made it. Somebody said, let that be the last red eye you catch on the Sunday morning. But I'm going to tell you this. Get undignified with it. I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, thank you, because that, that, that's in my notes. He didn't even know that. There's a song to say, I'll become even more indignified than this. It doesn't matter because he's God. I'm not going to be stingy with my praise because I'm worried about what the people who are intimately acquainted with God are going to say about me. Now, isn't that crazy? I'm not worried about the outside, folks. I'm worried about the person behind me. Do they feel safe? You know, have you ever been there? You, you know, you're a worshiper, and you're a loud worshiper. You know, you're, you know, you like to put the hands out. You like to lay on the floor. You like to cry boogers and snot. But then, you know, sometimes, depending on the environment, you start to worry about everybody else. And these are all believers. Like they don't know God. Like they don't know why you're crying boogers and snot. They don't know why you laid out. 
They don't know why you hollering. They don't know why you yelling. They don't know why you crying. Because it's been too good. If it had not been, that's what the old folks used to say, for the Lord who is on my side, here's the question, where would I be? I don't even want to know. If it had not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? Man, just the thought of that ought to make you go T-Rex status right there. You hear me? Put on your contemplative, stinky face posture. Woo, Jesus. Huh. You ought to give a, that's good, preacher. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you think about where you would be if it had not been for him. Let your praise match your plea. And can I tell you this last, last one? Give thanks in faith. Sometimes we become so worried about the next step. Kind of like I said maybe with these nine. Worried about going back to the people, the places, the community, picking up the things and all, just resuming and rushing back in to normal. And the truth is, when you give thanks, you give thanks in faith. Because you don't know what's going to come next. You don't know how everything is going to work out, and that's okay. Because if he brought you this far, yeah, he'll keep carrying you. The one who returned wasn't worried about the next step of rushing back to whomever or wherever to show that he had been cleansed. He just believed. And that belief and that faith overwhelmed him in the moment of answer. And God, I repent because there have been so many times that when I got the answer, I was overwhelmed by the next step instead of being overwhelmed by the goodness of the Savior. This man came back, and you know what? He just believed. He believed that whatever event would follow would be good because he serves and worship a good God. <clears throat> and in the midst of him going back, he gains this one, gains more than a physical healing. He has what I believe to be a spiritual breakthrough. <sighs> where he begins to glorify God, not only for that moment, but for all the moments that will follow. That's, that's a faith praise. Because sometimes when we get that answer, we don't know what's going to follow. And it's okay, we'll give him glory then. When I pray for my children and I got a tough sleeper, <clears throat> If I could have gone back to a sermon like this, I would have said, God, help me 
to praise you, just not for the moment you answered, but even for the moment that is stretching me and challenging me because this was part of the answer. You just can't praise God for the good part, that, that one solitary moment, but all the moments to come because you know that he is with you. When this man starts to glorify God for the moment and all the moments that will surely follow, he is displaying what I believe is just an overwhelming sense and, and, and attitude of gratitude. What would happen that instead of becoming overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with worry, overwhelmed with fear, when the answer doesn't seem to be answering, right? When the math is not mathing, <laughs> when it's not giving what it's supposed to give. I'm trying to put all the things out there so you get what I'm saying. But when it's not doing what it's supposed to do according to you, right? We can go back and instead of dwelling on the pain, we could dwell on the praise. And remember the good, good God that we serve. I imagine this one who returned back and I want to be like him when I grow up. Almost like he was just snatched by praise. I imagine he was weeping uncontrollably, shouting, making a spectacle of himself because he was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, have you ever been overwhelmed in a good way? Like the words can't even come out. Maybe the birth of a child has you overwhelmed, the marriage of a child or marrying your spouse has you overwhelmed. But can you imagine being overwhelmed by God? <sighs> Sit with that for a minute. Let's not rush that. Overwhelmed by God. When you get overwhelmed by God, in that moment, you, you can remember that, you can hold on to that. So even in difficult times, you can still praise him. Even when everything is not resolved, right? All the I's are not dotted, all the T's are not crossed. You can still praise God. The psalmist says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. The NAS says it this way. And why are you in despair, oh my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? 
Hope in God, for I shall praise him for the help of his presence. The same God that was present at the plea, the same God that was present at the place where the answer manifested is the same God that is present even after in the ellipses, dot, dot, dot. No need to be discouraged. No need to be downcast. But go back not to the pain of whatever you experience, right? But go back to the praise. <clears throat> that praise will restore hope. The praise will get you back in the presence of God. And last thing I'll say about this man who came back, the thing that stands out is scripture said he was a Samaritan. And what makes his praise so unique was that very fact is that he was a Samaritan. And Samaritans were despised in the eyes of many Jewish people. Samaritans were considered to be inferior and worthy, undeserving, not chosen. So do you know in this man's praise, he extinguished a social barrier he extinguished prejudice. Do you know the power of your gratitude? The power of your praise. God has saved us. He has answered us. And in this series, I hope that we will learn to step more into places where we glorify him, where we praise him, where we think about this story and we are the one who returns. We don't keep going to the next steps. We just return and we fall at his feet and say thank you. So next time that prayer is answered, whether it shows up quickly or slowly. Don't ask questions. Praise. Be determined to remember the Savior, your God, in that moment. <laughs> and let that praise remind you of your plea. Praise in the moment. Give thanks in faith knowing that there is good ahead for you. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. He's here in our present, and he's here in our future. Pray with me. God, we thank you that you are God that is ever present in every place, at every juncture, at every pivot, in every moment. God, 
we pause in this moment to just say thank you. Thank you for every answered prayer. Thank you for every prayer that we're holding until it is answered. Thank you that you are the God of it all. And God, help us at every step to be thankful. Help us at every step to remember to be the one who returns. In Jesus' name.